Good. Is this the hook? Where's the hook at? Make it louder. I thought it was great intro music. Holy yeah, calamity, think... screamed insanity. All you're ever going to be is another great fan of me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Welcome to Hello, Hello. I am Amal Sarva, your host. And I have with me today the great Michael Coons. We're doing workplace strategy in the house. Here we are. Mike Coons, Associate Director, Workplace Strategy on the Product Workshops team. What is it that you actually do, Mike? So I was I never heard of workplace strategy before. I mean, before I joined Notel, no. Yeah. After we started the company, no. A year after, no. Two years after. Around the time maybe I showed up. Maybe I had heard about something. Yeah. And Jones is like, yeah, we have this amazing new workplace strategist. And I'm like, this guy like makes PowerPoints about offices? I already do that. Why do, why do we need, what is this about? So have you heard the story about uh, my interview? Probably not, but you only would have heard it if I told you. What, you were the only one in the interview? <laughs> uh, I wasn't convinced that I was actually coming in for an interview. So I was working um, actually in the corporate real estate world, not so much as a workplace strategist prior to this. Oh, really? Um, what were you doing? I was a barista. No, I was not. Does that count at Starbucks? <laughs> no. Uh, I worked at a company called Mondelez. It's a big mm. CPG company. Mm-hmm. They own a Twinkies or something. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, they don't own Twinkies, but that's the right world. The kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I was helping to stand up a new global real estate organization, su- running super lean. We had a big restructuring budget at Mondelez, and and the goal was to shed uh, as much overhead in places, especially like real estate, as possible. Uh, and I'd come over there from uh, working at Gensler as a workplace strategist in a consulting group, and mm-hmm. I followed a client who moved from one company, took over. You're going to have to explain at a certain point what the hell they do. Their name seems to come up always with derision and sort of mystification we, which, our customers, Gensler. But Gensler. carry on with your Mondelez. Yeah. All right, all right. So uh, I got over there, and I did a little bit of what, what I would previously have called workplace strategy, which is basically uh, connecting business objectives with space requirements and... Um, in many ways, like the report that some of the reporting I'd done while I was at Gensler and the reports that I wrote for Mondelez when I joined were really around those specific ones were around efficiency. So the business objective is let's be more efficient with our spend while also creating a great environment for our employees. What does that look like and what can we send out all over the world so that we actually don't sign bad leases going forward? So this is a big, big objective. Mm-hmm. The other side of the, the work that I was doing, or another part of the work that I was doing, was getting out of... Uh, as many onerous leases as possible. Dude, you were basically like a global head of real estate. You were like negotiating with owners and breaking deals and yeah. issuing so, I mean, standards I, and stuff like that. That's right. Um, I mean, largely supporting uh, the VP who was who was attacking that, but um, setting up strategy for that was a big part of what I did and working with our global consultant CBRE and what we were trying to achieve and where we needed to shed. All the things that are a huge part of our business currently. Wow. Um, and, and then so... I joined Mondelez after spending several years at Gensler and, like I said, followed this one client. And all of this is part of the story that I told in this opening interview. Uh, I'll sidebar real quick and say that the funny part of the interview was that I wasn't sure it was an interview. Yes, I hadn't right. Heard, I hadn't heard a lot about Nutella at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, somebody connected me with Jonathan. My understanding from our me- email exchange was just looking to have a conversation about uh-huh. what workplace is, how Nutella gets smarter. And so I... Uh, working remotely at Mondelez, which is a Chicago and global company, said, I don't get into the city very often anymore, and this is right around the corner from my dentist. I'll kill two birds with one stone. 
<laughs> Which order? <laughs> Dentist first. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> so what I didn't remember is that I actually had proper dental work scheduled. Oh, my Lord. And so... Like you uh, come with a mouthful of blood and Novocaine. No or... blood, but only one half of a working face. So John, so, <laughs> which, which direction did you face when you were seeing it? Did you, did you, like did you show him your Batman. good face? Uh, I'll show you a picture after, after this. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So a smile that only worked on one half. <laughs> Um, so that was a, that, those were the weird circumstances, and maybe like you know, quirky wins the day or something like that. It clearly turned into a job interview. But one of the things we talked about was during my time at, at Gensler, <clears throat> we would do a lot of relatively deep engagements with big companies who should, and in many cases, do understand what their core business is about. Uh, but they needed direction, advice, help figuring out how to provide space that meets certain cost constraints, but also allows for their people to be as productive as possible. And, and actually, like the, the dirty truth probably behind it is, how do they talk to the people about how this is still going to be productive, mm-hmm. right? And so we would put together Save reports. Save money, defend productivity, defend perception. I think that's right. Yeah, and, and in many ways, these huge reports would turn into something like CYA, cover your ass documents, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is, and this actually speaks to, to, I think, part of the reason why Notel is gaining so much traction right now, is that when an organization wants to take out a 7, 10, 15 year lease, they better be damn sure that they have a good sense of what they want to execute. Mm-hmm. And there's very little damn sure, I think, in the way that you're gonna grow as a company and even less so today. Um, so the best that they can do is say we hired some of the best consultants around to really investigate mm-hmm. the way that we work and what our processes are and how our so different teams work together. So workplace strategy is exactly what I thought it was. Yeah. It's just like normal strategy. 100%. A bunch of PowerPoints you put on a shelf and then you do what you're <coughs> going to do anyway and somebody doesn't get to indict you. That's any exactly longer. right. And so, <laughs> so the, 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 the hook of the conversation with Jonathan out of half of my face was... <laughs> you continue to speak only out of one side of your mouth. That's right? not true. That's not true. <laughs> Uh, the hook was, I actually don't think that workplace strategy is good value for the customer. And I think that, of course, businesses want to think critically about the way that they connect their space to what they need to do. And I don't actually think that everybody could end up in exactly the same workplace, right? There are issues of brand, but there are also issues of like function and uh, how certain groups need to relate to others and how what that relation actually looks like. For some teams, it's proper sit-down conference rooms. For others, it's more casual. All of the very surface-level things that, that I think we're quite good at talking about already. Um, but more often than not, we would write reports that ended up on shelves, and mm-hmm. then we would hand it over to a designer who absolutely has their own idea. Internal designer, though, right? That's right. Designer? Yeah, I mean, I'd say 80% of the time, probably closer to 95% of the time, it was... And how are the uh, fees made at that firm, or a generic type of firm, not to disclose too much about your past with whoever, but like, <laughs> aren't the fees made on the drawings, and the PowerPoints are just kind of to get it going and lock it in? Um, n- well, not from the strategy perspective, and I think this goes back, to, again, to the sort of... Uh, kind of creating accountability for what the design decisions are made. Mm-hmm. And so um, that would be rather than just a kind of um, like integral part of the design process, which I think most interior designers would previously have said, workplace strategy is just, may still argue, workplace strategy is just programming. I'm a designer. I have to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And so I am going to put <coughs> together some PowerPoint mm-hmm. slides and we're going to do some diagramming. 
But um, in the, you know, the design world has not typically done a great job of sort of protecting the, uh, the kind of expertise that is theirs. Even back when some of the expertise that is a designer were, was less sort of democratically available. You could argue now more and more people think that mm -hmm. think and maybe even do have access to well the term design, design probably because of the digital tools but but certainly because the the ability to take those tools and make stuff like that term design has been spreading the term design probably in the beginning of the 20th century was just the decorative arts and by the time factories were running and making lots of stuff like you could sort of design a teacup and have it made a million times sure, and then oh, sure, sure, sure. product design system design process engineer <coughs> and and these days it seems like you have every kind of design there's like the user experience design of buildings as as was described in a recent lunch i was at with a whole bunch of big corporate heads of real estate they're like the number one fastest growing job in our field is like employee experience designer or something and so the term design actually is like the empire of design is expanding quite a bit as people bring their creative and problem solving resources to different dimensions of the interactions, whether it's like the building or the aesthetics or the functionality or whatever, right? I mean, design is fragmenting in a way. So like sure, the, the infiltration of like, quote, design thinking in mm -hmm. things that are even non-physical and mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but in the all, game, so all in of that said, things, you make a PowerPoint that someone makes pictures and they're not necessarily connected. Yeah, and, and what I was, was trying to get at actually is that in, for many of these companies, they've needed to, and I think probably with some savvy, bolted on this strategy as something above and beyond what a designer would typically do. And so there is, it's proposal based, it like theoretically at least ladders back to fees and the fees are mm -hmm. what you would expect from a consultant, right? Is um, that the origin story of those kinds of <coughs> firms? That they started as interior designers, basically, and as they started bulking up, they wanted to up-level and talk to the CEO? Yeah, so not all of them, uh -huh. but uh, certainly at the large design firms, I think there was a recognition that even some of the traditional consulting firms were sort of elbowing in on what they would consider their expertise. Oh, like a Deloitte mm -hmm. would show up and offer to do yeah. know, human resources and workplace strategy planning? Yeah, EY does some of this, yeah. Interesting. A, a number of them have. Uh, and so, like... You know, you, you, I think they can make a pretty strong argument that there's some endemic knowledge to the design world that they can bring that's unique from. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the business guys bring some business knowledge, and there's lots of different people with relationships. Yeah. But, of course, one of the difficulties about hitting publish on either a PowerPoint, just pure strategy layer, or even an aesthetic scheme is, like, you don't do it, and you don't have to live with it, and it's not your totally. budget, and it's not your cost. Yep. And ultimately, the outcomes are not measured in a time horizon that matters to you. You did the work three years ago, and yep. everyone's upset because productivity or whatever happiness in the workplace is not where it ought to be yeah uh, did you experience those things absolutely yeah absolutely and i think like um i mean there were a number of processes or parts of the process that were frustrating that would be one not being able to sort of check in on the process and recognizing that we're sort of baking in uh, additional services anyway when we say like and we're going to be around to do a day two analysis and also advise the designers when you need to change half the things that we said that were, were the right things in the first place and then the fact that more often than not, it, because it is a uh, because it's a report and it's based as much as possible on like sound thinking and some data and all of the good things that a good consultant would do, uh, we're still handing it off to a different expert altogether mm -hmm. to execute, and so it ends up on a shelf. Uh, all of those were part of why I said uh, to RC. Uh, our COO at the time that I didn't think that clients were getting good value for actually going through the workplace strategy process. Gosh. I actually think that, <coughs> I, I mean, I think yeah. that... Uh, I mean, if you're selling something that you think's a ripoff, that must feel bad. I mean, 
I think that we do some, or the team at Gensler did some really interesting work mm-hmm. when we were there. But I think it's also part of the reason that I wanted to leave and get closer to the business to cupcake see. Cupcake company. Yeah, to the cupcake company. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Okay, so it sounds we derogatory, use, but like, well, they make some great cupcakes. Ding dongs, ring yeah. dings. Yeah. But so in the, uh, in this place, so you show up, you teach yep. us what workplace strategy is, you wander around, and it seems like every team has in our business right now, like either the language or the content or even just like dedicated workplace strategists. Yeah. I was just reviewing our, you know, all company survey of some kind of matter and I had somewhat carelessly put in a free response field, which was like, what's your department? It was really interesting to see how people self-identify. So people are like, I'm from this group, I'm from that group. And one of the really interesting things is how many different people are workplace strategists, dash, growth, workplace strategists, dash, this, that, in the sub-markets and the different geographies and the different functional areas. There's folks who do this, and then you do it in in, in yet another department. And I wonder, what are all the places where you think it's happening right now, and what on earth are these people doing? So... uh, I guess if I can be as ambitious as zero. possible in, in the uh, in the podcast studio here. Um, I, I think, at least from a demand side, and it has an impact on supply and the way we build out our spaces, that I think fundamentally what Notel is offering is a well-conceived workplace strategy that is as fungible to as many different clients to come in as possible. And so workplace strategy is in many ways at the heart of what we offer, like part of the product that we offer. I think, and I've said this a number of times, like even this week, and I say it all the time, color me a little bit surprised that we have created a step in the process that is a workplace strategist after coming from a world where that is a sort of bolted on step in the process. But I think there's a couple of really good reasons why it's happened. And I think that it uh, probably reflects a little bit our own current state of evolution and where we sit as the company gets bigger and changes. I think, in no small part, because of the Genslers of the world, uh, there is a certain expectation that this is what clients look for when they engage and think about whatever their future office. Yeah, you got to make it vivid what you're doing. You yep. got to like label it. There should be like a time. It's like this is your retirement party. It's not just a little slap on the back on your way out. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's true. But but even in the like, so we are in many ways like condensing the design process. We're condensing the construction process, design process. We're building to uh, something like a minimal build standard that we know is going to be both flexible and fungible in that way that I mentioned earlier, all of which is super exciting. Uh, but when it comes time for any organization to picture themselves in a, work, in a, in a no-tell space, uh, I think what we found is they actually, they even know it by name, that they, that they want this workplace strategy discussion. And you know, if they're a large, conver- if they're a large company, I think, they may even have somebody on their team who considers this part of their remit. And if it's a small company, maybe they've been at a place where they previously had uh, an engagement mm-hmm. with, with the architecture firms of the world. And it seems like a good thing to know more about the way you work and have a database designed, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that all makes sense uh, that, that we have that as part of our process today and specifically on the demand side. Um, so. That is like a very transactional, like point in the process, uh, kind of instantiation of what workplace strategy is. But I would still argue that workplace strategy cuts across. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it along around the different parts of the organization. But in in our engagement, in the early engagement with the customer, which (coughs) I guess you know it feels like uh, a company and their brokers, 
they're kind of thinking about what they want to do, they want to look at some options. Early in the dialogue, we say, it'd be cool to show you some locations, yep. which is how you normally shop, but we should probably figure out what you want yeah. and help show you some ways that what you want can be done and how it might adapt and fit into some of the different places. So some of that is the value proposition we do, but some of it is just actually doing an upfront workplace strategy with these guys That's and right. helping them see a different thing. And we just did this for a big client in San Francisco, giant company. They're looking for like a thousand seats, but they don't need all thousand now. They kind of need half. And we helped show them how the thing that we were proposing was going to really adapt carefully over time and suit the future need, but land the, the, the today need. And I would describe that as workplace strategy, right? 100%. You got roped in on that deal. And that was, that was quite exciting. And I think part of why we got it is actually because we opened their eyes on something. And so workplace strategy there was showing them the possibility and the future. Okay, so that's there. Then, let's say they say, okay, then do we do it again? Well, I would say that we, if we're doing our job right, we are running a, a no-tell process that has some sort of core concepts about the way we think a workplace mm -hmm. can be deployed. And so we're doing it we're maybe doing a slightly deeper dive in terms of who are the people that are going to be there. When it switches to implementation mode, because like in the beginning, there might be like a global accounts team, like right. so in growth, we have the enterprise folks or maybe in a market like San Francisco or New York, we have the on the ground account executive and growth team and they might rope in some workplace strategies. But now they, they feel like they got the deal done. That's now right. The next step, I guess, for us is implementation. Yeah, exactly. So um, and part of that implementation is we're going to design the space. We're actually going to tweak it from what we've proposed. So <coughs> if we've proposed, say, a floor plan that we think meets the things that we know about you already, having had this really robust conversation with you already about what your objectives are for the space, uh, that's all well and good. It's still a design. It's not yet real. It's not yet physical. So let's make sure that we are executing that on a way that's actually going to align with what you need. And so, so I think my point is every step of our process should be should have a workplace strategy mindset because we're we're trying to actually continue to understand the things that are important to that organization and implement and execute them whether it's in the design frankly the the workplace experience i think is a another area where we're good we can get better um, so we design and implement, and then they're in, and then we have uh, a theory of workplace as we continue to serve them on day two and afterwards. And But we don't, do we send, maybe we phone them in, right? So like maybe our folks that are helping that customer and keeping track of, of their uh, success and happiness, maybe those folks would phone in and do like a review of the workplace strategy at the place with our clients. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so like at this point... Is that too? Are you getting called in on those? It, it is. I mean, yeah. what, we're trying to set up something that's a little bit more scalable than me calling in every now and then mm -hmm. to, to check in on folks. Um, but I mean, that's the part of design and workplace strategy that's really trying to attach productivity to the space. Mm -hmm. And like, it's difficult for, it's difficult for any organization to to measure productivity, I think. It's especially difficult for a third party to measure productivity. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I think nobody understands the way that Notel can work most productively better than Notel. And I'm like, I would challenge even some of the consulting agency or uh, consulting companies out there to do a better job of tapping into what's important to you. That said, I think that we can, in asking smart questions about how the specific workplace is meeting the needs of individuals and then leveling our understanding of, of individuals, departments, organization, how those responses look, uh, we can continue to, to provide like really good responses and even potentially 
augment the the space going forward. There's some teams that don't use a lot of workplace strategy, Mike. I'm sorry to break it to you. Talk to me. Pretty sure that legal. I'm pretty sure that legal is not deploying workplace strategists under deal negotiations. I haven't heard from corporate finance or financial operations that those guys are doing it, but maybe we're not too upset. I, I think that the people department probably could, yeah. <clears throat> but they probably have not yet drawn on some of our native core expertise. They're, to a certain extent, they're doing it like a people department does, yeah. when in fact this whole place has yeah. got a, an element of people department. So we should check on that. I suspect that our real estate and supply side teams that are acquiring locations might have a rubric that's been published out of yep. out of workplace strategy and out of design and arch- architecture that they use to hunt for things. They're probably not doing a lot because they're not facing the customer. Sure, I think it's the teams that face the customer that that do at the greatest core. And and you actually live in in the final department that I think is worth investigating a bit. Uh, product. What's the product at Notel? How do you mean? What does what's... product do? What... And then what part of it is yours? And what does workplace strategy do inside? So, I mean, so product is defining, in my mind, right? Product defines what it is that Notel is out there selling in the world and what the opportunity is to improve that experience. I would push back maybe just a little bit. Like, I hear what you're saying in terms of legal is not using workplace strategy. Mm -hmm. But part of the reason that we are here as a business at all Mm -hmm. is that companies are having to reconsider the way that they go and procure property. Now, a huge part of that is what we're putting at at sort of the base of our hierarchy of needs that we provide for people in flexibility, meaning specifically term flexibility. That's something that I dealt with at Mondelez. I'm with you. I'm with you. We don't have to litigate the matter. Of course, all these other departments are implementing a set of ideas that are central to what our business does. I don't see, however, those guys visiting the opposing council and engineering for them a better experience. They're simply implementing a a set of requirements that they have. But what they don't do is intake new and different needs uh, about the productivity and success of the workers in the company and whatever. You know what I mean. Whereas in the growth side, you certainly do, and certainly in the implementation step, and certainly in the product department you're thinking very deeply about what customers want and need and how it works that we've offered them xyz and how to change it right yeah so our our imperative in product as i see it is both to define notel's perspective on what workplace is i right now i think in for very smart reasons we have a bias towards open office that is as flexible and fungible to as many clients as possible i think in doing that we appeal both to the landlord side and to prospective clients because we can build fast, we build light, we build smart, and we're basing those builds off of a baseline understanding that gets, right, we're, make, we're focusing our energy on the 20% of the office build, it's gonna make 80% of the difference, and then we can actually focus great energy on the things to close the gap mm-hmm. in the end. So product-wise, we need to define what that is. Uh, those are both concepts and they're metrics. They're ratios that may differ from one geography to another, but they still ladder up to the same idea about how we do this thing effectively and efficiently. And then the next real great opportunity that I think does have, like despite my own misgivings about the workplace strategy title, does have a workplace strategy bent, which is how do we connect the things that clients need? (coughs) So take uh, essentially some of the consulting practice, but trying to streamline it and to make sure that we're asking the questions that both are pertinent to whoever we're talking to, but more importantly, are wired back to the thing that we know how to execute. So uh, if a client of ours has a certain headcount requirement, 
um, is convinced that they know a certain way that they want to design the office, but that doesn't match perfectly to what Notel knows that they can deploy using their own systems, their own catalog, et cetera. How can we actually take those inputs and then rewire them to the things that we know without kind of losing the interest and making sure that we're actually accomplishing what the organization needs to, what the client organization needs to. Okay, so there's two things in there, I guess, like two families of ideas. One family is anticipate <clears throat> the reusable elements that let us rapidly deploy successful workplaces for our clients, yep. where we kind of know what they're going to need before they need, because we're, we're opening. I was speaking with Elena Tannenbaum from design and she's thinking back holy crap I just opened 61 locations in the last 90 days in my previous job in three years I opened three sure and it was like an amazing contract there's nobody yeah. that's take in taking customers and, and opening spaces for them and living with them and, and supervise I mean we have many hundreds now that, that, that we're keeping fingers on pulses and so that our ability to anticipate and, and we then know to so much about those, and scale yep, sure. and then mm -hmm. make it more efficient which means make it faster and, and make it even more tailored but then on the other hand also to be able to take quite a different set a much more tailored perhaps much more customized perhaps quite a departure set of ideas and also land that using the same operational process and toolkit and systems that we are, are running so not to simply run a McDonald's for office, but to be able to offer a really wide array, but with a really deep, efficient supply chain that lets us customize mass, right. mass produced masterpieces, as yeah. we might say. I mean, the inefficiency, uh, without obviously oversimplifying the, the traditional approach to this, uh, part of the inefficiency, uh, I, I think, is sort of wrapped up in a cartel of the AEC, the Architecture, Engineering, Construction Community, which says... <laughs> I didn't know there was a cartel. Is there a Thomas uh, Pynchon novel about it? Yeah, there may be. Uh, we'll write it. <clears throat> not. Um, which says, okay, we're going to make you commit to a 10-year lease, and then we're going to make sure that every decision that you make is with that 10-year commitment in totally. mind. And so what that does is encourages you to make flourishes, like unique, like to privilege uniqueness in a way that, I mean, unique is wonderful. Well, the bespoke and the craft, the one-time use that will be thrown away, exactly. that's the spending of the TI that the broker was comped on, that exactly. the engineers are paid to do, that the construction people come and install, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. if we can be more intelligent about what the decisions are, kind of out of the box in, in this sort of platform uh, model, we set companies up for success, and then we can really focus on layering on the things that can really make the space both feel like companies headquartered, tailored to them, and be particularly effective for the organization that we're... That we're okay, so at, no, no, the first big thing that we deployed, <clears throat> and it's not famous because it's subtle and it's only for a certain community, was the set of definitions that describe a suitable no-tell. Sure. Like, here are the ratios we need, here's what you need to do, and if you're going to develop and de deploy like a landlord-built no-tell-ready property, it's got to be this way, and if we're yep. going to take one, it's going to have to be this way, and these are the changes we have to make. That's a document, but it's a it's a it's a design. It's a spec. It's like a standard, basically. And 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 these standards are used in lots of different industries. I mean, Adam Smith, when he's writing about the pins in the early phase of capitalism, it's only standardization that lets you create efficiency and scale. The second big project that's of interest, I think, uh, that's that's getting ready to ship, is we have observed some of the reusable components that 
appear again and again in our aspiration towards a modular architectural object ecosystem, MAO. We will have to use a different name in China probably, but <laughs> the Mao family, which I think at certain times we've called Sheetrock Zero or yeah. Notel Zero. I don't know what's our latest name for this Zero. Uh, we're still we're still workshopping names a little bit. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh -huh. I mean the the is Mao going to make it? I mean, we'll <laughs> the chairman. The group. Yeah, yeah, the chairman. We'll just call it the chairman. I mean, I, I mean, we're not making chairs though, so that would be confusing if we called it. I, I think the thing that's provocative, and totally understandably provocative, about Sheetrock Zero, uh, speaks to a lot of the things that about why Notel exists at all. Speed, building more intelligently, but also building in not just a flexible but an adaptable way. Right, so it allows us to execute more quickly, but like at just as important, it both is light on the landlord's building, and it, it allows us to provide a, a an arc of change through space, which is a frightening thing for a lot of clients who are taking out space in a more traditional. So we're days away, I think, from the first deliveries yeah, of some pretty yeah. novel things. I mean, so here's we're going to really... replace rooms with furniture. We're going to replace walls with furniture. We're going to replace kitchens with furniture. Yeah. So I mean, all of those things I think are within sight. What I think is really interesting about the uh, about some of the stuff that we're looking at right now is, um, I, I mentioned earlier that in some ways, by necessity, in some ways because it just uh, it's fundamentally the right decision to make. Uh, we're kind of privileging a uh, primarily open office plan, although we're we're looking at different uh, sectors and and how we might tweak our own business to to satisfy those. Um, but open offices come under a lot of fire, right? Mm -hmm. um, I get questions periodically. I don't think I've ever heard of an office that all the workers well, so like. This, this is exactly right. I right? think the and Paris so, Commune had its origins in the nature of labor in the 1840s, and I suspect that yeah. the same is true today. Yeah, and I think it's also, I mean, it's worth asking uh, how long the option of building a cellular office for every employee would, would really last in front of a, C, a CFO or anybody who's decision-making, right? They're, they're very strong reasons for why we've moved to a more efficient design system. And we're only at 20%. The penetration of open office is only at 20%. Sure. It still has a long way to go. And nobody is switching from open to closed. Okay. So some of the dissidents, and it's usually like a generational complaint and stuff, but those are the people who also complain about chat rooms, you know, yeah. they want to do the face-to-face -face meeting. So here's what's interesting about, I think, a modular or like quickly deployed system. It's maybe, maybe sub-architectural. Um, because when you get into that architectural world, you get into some friction that's just real and maybe at least for any company hard to, to overcome. Uh, the, a partition that is deployable quickly, whether it, it provides just visual difference, a vertical plane in an open space, or provides semi or full enclosure, allows you to create additional variety, a different additional choice in the space. And if you're doing that without bringing in trades, you're actually creating like far more opportunities in the space that can satisfy more of those things that we're getting from clients that they know they want or believe they want or we can guide them towards. Right, so open with a human face. That's a right. way to achieve the sound dampening, privacy, visual privacy, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, okay, well, it's the third big project, which I think is brainchild of, of our workplace strategy work is We've started rethinking the the office experiences and where they might happen. So, you know, finding a quiet spot, having a chat with somebody, having a big chat with a lot of people, um, a place to do a medium size get together. I, at this point, I was just this morning in in one of our neighborhood locations, um, studio, uh, 
the studio at 22nd Street. We've got a studio at 17th. We've got a Commons at 17th Street, which is a, a little bit of a coffee shop. If studio is kind of a meeting room venue, then we've got a coffee shop, sort of uh, loose meeting space. We've got, is it called Harbor? Haven. Haven. Yeah. Haven's the, Wellness the, the head, heads down. Heads down, yep, yep. Yeah, and then there's another one too, right? Experience, which is like the big format um, events and That's sort right. of see what it's all about yep. kind of venue. And actually, any one of them could be a decent... Uh, test drive showroom experience for our growth and sales teams to use. Actually. Absolutely, Although it's a kind of a fractal awesome. of Notel. Like you get a little yeah. bit of it, but it also does the whole thing. Yeah, yeah but what's sure. so exciting about that is like, I've had the feeling for quite some time that there is a daytime economy. In the daytime economy, most of the money gets paid to a worker at a desk from a company. A bit of the money gets paid for their desk, so they have somewhere to be. And then there's like this resi residual flow of money, which is like a coffee, a shoe repair, a lunch, you know, stuff like that. And that's just people getting stuff they need in the, the, the sort of Turkish bazaar of the average city. Sure. And an interesting opportunity that we have is to help you take some of those other things you need to do where sometimes you're forced to go outside the office or want to go outside the office and encapsulate them into a single sign-on. Mm -hmm. You know, your office lets you have a quiet place to be heads down or to like go meditate or to, you know, go to a workout class or maybe, you know, meet someone face-to-face -face or do 10 interviews in a row or have an outside meeting or meet a client closer to their office or quite a lot of other experiences. And we're just testing it. Yeah. What are you watching for? Is that a, like, so as a strategist of people's experience, what are you watching for as, as this stuff is, is rolling? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously pick up in terms of how many people are interested, how many people are, are actually- I think we signed our first paying customer today. That's outstanding. Uh, it, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I think there are, there's a couple different tracks to, to make the pitch. One of them is you can actually be much more efficient, leaner with your proper office space if you think of yourself extending Totally. People warehouse empty space yep. either for future headcount or right. for the occasional meeting. There is no boardroom that's fully utilized. That's never happened. No. Well, I mean, if it's fully utilized, the utilization is one or two people You're sitting sure. in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that, that play in sort of extending your ability to use not just your office, but use the city as, as a productive workspace. Um, is super interesting. So I would just look to pick up in general. Um, but I also think that one of the things that, that is really interesting is how we like provide additional experiences. And you touched on uh, the sort of four versions that we have that are trying to tap into right now four discrete things, right? So meeting other people, gathering in a sort of third place kind of way. Alone, a few people, a lot of people, yep. and a ton of people. <laughs> Those That's are the right. four formats. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think what's really interesting about that is it ends up being like hyper customer focused. Um, if we think about uh, the, the reasons behind the shift towards more flexibility, maybe they're, they're primarily economic, but really what's happening is uh, there's a change in the power structure of who's asking for what. And so right now, companies are clawing that back a little bit, but companies in many ways, and this is part of why workplace strategy as a consulting practice exists, they also need to make sure that their, their folks are happy, right? And so they are a little bit of a proxy, not perfect proxy, because they have other, other interests, but they're a little bit of a proxy for uh, the individuals. And I think to a certain extent, the experience and, and what even I expect to get out of, you know, my, my phone or any other uh, sort of modern contemporary device, uh, it gives me a tremendous amount of power to control my own environment. I think we should expect to see that in the office world pretty soon. And so what we learn by providing slightly more uh, kind of 
targeted experiences here is what individual users might want. And some of that may make its way into the proper office, some of it may make its way into uh, That's an amazing projects. idea. So the trend in tech of the last, I guess it's 20 years, uh, one way to talk about it is the bring your own device movement. Another sure. name is the engineer with a credit card. A lot of software companies have been built off of some manager in a company just sticking their credit card into a service and starting to use it. That's how Salesforce was built and that's how GitHub got big. Yep. And those ideas, which flip around the power structure and decision making, not yet happening in, in real estate land or in workspaces and the way people choose how they want to work. And mm -hmm. this is a powerful prediction to come and inspect in the, uh, in the years ahead. Mike, thank you so much for being on Hello, Hello, you are our third guest. I think our team is going to enjoy very much listening to this thing. Uh, thanks for having me, Well.